Hello, everyone. Welcome to the House of Learning podcast. Uh, it's Richard here with Steve and the anonymous ferret. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not starting with that, no. please. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> We just it's discovered my... <laughs> we just discovered that as Angela was looking at the same Google Doc that I am, that she has for some reason popped up as the anonymous ferret. <laughs> I didn't name myself that. No, I, I think it's a Google did. thing. Like Google doesn't know what who you mm. are, so Google's it's decided funny. to name you. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's I'm, quite funny. I'm glad I have the analog, the paper yeah. version with my notes because I, I don't want, know what I my name want you would to be. Log in and see oh, what, I have some names. <laughs> I want to see what you're gonna be. Yeah. Oh, good to be back. Yeah. So that's fun. Mm. And uh it's good to have a little laugh because we are in Habakkuk and we've been talking about lament and today we'll talk a bit more about that, maybe about suffering, um, but some harder things as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so, yeah, even getting the tone right for these conversations yeah. is a little tricky sometimes, right? Because like we're not supposed to get depressed. No, no. but it's weighty But holding material. joy and hope mm-hmm. and the fun things alongside the hard things. Yeah, but this is, like you say, it's weighty material. So should we do uh, like the quick recap, like sure. the story so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're saying yes. Yes. So, so I yeah. think Steve. So basically, all this, um, all this Habakkuk is it comes out of this time of he's seen this great um, this king sort of re- really respond and renew Israel, and then as these future kings came along, it's just seeming to go. Uh, sideways in so many ways. And he's uh, calling out to the Lord to say, hey, what's going on? I see all this injustice and violence and wrongdoing. And he's asking God, why is that? And we, you know, our story opens with, we get this inside view into this intimate picture of Habakkuk um, just turning to the Lord with this question of why and how long. And then God gives this answer that just would, you know, knock him on his feet, I think, if it were me, because it's totally unexpected. And of course, God says, hey, watch, and you're going to be utterly amazed. And, you know, his response is, well, I'm going to send in the Babylonians. Yeah, that's like such a bait and switch. Yeah. God's like, you're going to be so amazed, Habakkuk. You can't wait to see what I'm going to do. And then what I'm going to do, Habakkuk's like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And then so many more questions come yeah. up, or, which so, I don't blame him. He's outraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's outraged. Because Babylon's like Babylon's like the anti-Eden. The mm. evilest if Eden of is evil. like, yeah, when things are like right and God's plan is in action, Babylon's this type throughout the scriptures, this pattern of like mm-hmm. when it's gone off the rails. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I just got this flash. I, I don't know, this... Well, I think it's going to just take us down a rabbit hole, so I'm going <laughs> to never mind. But the question, the hey, answer... Hey, we have been known to yes. jump down some rabbit holes. So All right, well, my question is, in in the first century, though, you know, we've got the Jewish nation expecting, they've been longing for this Messiah, and God's answer still is, I'm going to do something, but it's not what you expect. So surprising. As well. it's I'm so sending surprising. a baby, and he's the Messiah. Y- yeah. yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, I just say that because there's a pattern in Mm -hmm. God's response Mm -hmm. that is always, um, well, I'm not going to say always, but so often very unexpected. Yeah. um, I remember surprising. um, In recent memory, the 24 7 prayer 
do mm-hmm. the the Lectio 365 mm-hmm. like devotional prayer app. Yeah. And they had a season uh, on this theme of the wild God. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it was this idea of like, or almost like, um, you know, like in Narnia, when Lucy says yeah, like, oh, is yeah. Aslan safe? Or, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, mm-hmm. not quite sure how to relate to this idea of like, you know, he's not tame. But he's good. He's, but he's not good. safe, but he's good, is what Lucy says. Yeah, yeah. It's like Mr. Beaver. Oh, Beaver, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the reply. And that reminds me of that. What is that That lyric, the reckless love of God? And that always yeah. bothered me because I don't think God is reckless. I think he's very intentional. Mm-hmm. And reckless, to me, is a word that like means like he's, he's just not paying attention and he's just doing something on a whim and out of yeah. anger. But but he's 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 I think opposite of reckless. I think but I think our reaction is right. Think about if you were if you had a a, a friend you were coaching, who was uh, like a manager of a business, and they treated an employee like the father treats the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, dude, that's reckless leadership. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So I think so often mm-hmm. that's that sort of our tame box yes. makes God's actions look reckless mm-hmm. from our point of from view. From our yeah. point of but view. But then as we understand God's heart, mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're actually recklessly ungenerous, ungood, yeah. un, mm-hmm. like lots yeah. of things. Yeah. And I, I, always, I always substitute in there. I'm like, no, it's the wondrous love of it's God. Wondrous. Because it's so yes. wondrous that like I actually can't comprehend it. And so it's going to seem different and it's going to seem this unexpected this utterly amazed things that he's doing and i don't get it yeah um but it's still because he's good um it's it's there's something wonderful yeah. about it so. but that's what habakkuk's bumping into yeah yes because right? he's seen god forgive and restore and redeem he's seen well, he hasn't seen, but he is aware of like his people's history with God, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Exodus, you know, that, like this is what God does. God's a rescuer. God's someone who saves um, and, and aware that like along the way, um, you know, that people wandered in the wilderness through unbelief and disobedience. Like that there's also a pattern of uh, the people not experiencing God's blessing, mm-hmm. but his hope is for more salvation and redemption. And God says, here's the amazing, let's use the word reckless. Okay. Right? Yeah, From Habakkuk's yeah, yeah. point of view, yeah. it's going to appear It a, seems, reckless. and that's why he's questioning, yes. right? Like, here's yes. the reckless thing God's going to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, actually, my people need to experience exile. So mm-hmm. Babylon's going to come in as a destructive, disruptive, chaotic force. Mm. And it's going to hurt because my people, they've, they've forsaken me. They're disobedient. Mm-hmm. They're mired in injustice. They, they already are epitomizing the way of Babylon. So what yeah. they're going to do is crash over the edge into Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's like falling in the well. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're, they're going to experience what it's like to get trapped somewhere that you shouldn't have been leaning over into. It's that, it's that posture of running away from sin that's what we think we should be doing, but actually going towards sin as a redeemed people and God using that, you know, or as for us in today, like going towards, going into a sinful world as a redeemed person in order to be an instrument of transformation. I mean, there's that 
type of, of, yeah. of, of moment that occurs, like how God uses sin around his people um, in, in, a, in a kind of this wondrous way, yeah. right? Rather than completely separating. Um, I mean, these are deep themes and like, uh, I don't know, I've got lots of questions around it. How, how God uses this sinful per- people of Babylon to, to accomplish his purposes. And I think I'm right there with Habakkuk in yeah. his questions. Um, and I'm like, just, what, do, what does the word use mean there? What does it use? There's mean. so many nuances yeah, the to the mm-hmm. way we interact mm-hmm. with that. So we're in Habakkuk 1 12 through 2 1, for those who are like wondering what week we're in, just to kind of yeah. anchor yeah, 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 this yeah. passage. Because we um, end in mm-hmm. verse 11 with God basically giving this, here's what I'm going to do about it. Basically yeah. talking about the Babylonians yeah. coming, and you, mm-hmm. and it's almost this. I can see, and Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's not like, "Oh, great, thanks for letting me know, God." Yeah, Habakkuk's like, "No, yes, yeah, like that, ha- like That's almost like far be it from you, mm-hmm. a good God." Like, I-, I love like verse thirteen. Like, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. Mm. How on earth can you allow the Babylonians to do this? Yeah, it's like you, he goes, you can't tolerate, so then why are you tolerating it? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. these are my questions as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think, and like, another big question is, it's not, I don't know if it's a question, observation. Another thing, Habakkuk, you know, I just painted this picture of, like, the people actually needing exile, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Habakkuk doesn't need it. Right. Habakkuk is one of the righteous minority in Israel that's mm-hmm. upset about idolatry, that mm-hmm. aren't worshipping idols, that want to follow Yahweh. Mm. And here's like one of the, th- the things that happens in God's dealings with this world is that sometimes the righteous suffer with the unrighteous. Yeah. Habakkuk is going to experience this. And that's, uh, that's really counter to our way of thinking like mm-hmm. there was there was mm-hmm. actually someone popped in the church the other day I, you know don't know whether they know jesus mm-hmm. if they do kind of loosely mm-hmm. you know and but they made this comment as we were listening to them and then praying with them of like well i know you know like if i do what's right god will bless me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. habakkuk's doing what's right but he's not going to experience the blessing uh, he's going to experience the disaster differently and that's actually one of the things, which is why Habakkuk finishes with a psalm, not mm-hmm. with a third lament. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. finishes with a song of praise. Mm-hmm. And that shows like he's experiencing the coming of exile and then will experience the exile differently, but he's still going to experience the mm-hmm. exile. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to me, like our lives and the people we're around, like the family we're a part of, like the street we live on, the things going on in our city, like all of these different layers of like what we're a participant in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we carry, I think, this expectation of like, yeah, but if I follow God, like everything's going to go like up and to the right. Like s- blessing and success will come my way. And we just don't have much of a box for suffering being you know, like something that maybe being a participant in Portland means we're not going to succeed in the same way, but it's really good to still be here as salt and light in the midst of it. Yeah, we're the instrument of hope. That's what I was getting at yeah. earlier is just like the as Habakkuk 
you know, somebody who knows God, he's being used by God. God is bringing him, he's pulling back the curtain and telling him, you know, I'm in this, you need to watch. And that's a little bit the same, um, that's what we have, those of us who know Jesus. And we have the pulled back curtain of the gospel. And in this broken word saying, I'm in this, and in this world you will have trouble. You're not going to be saved out from this sin that's occurred to experience it, but eternally you are saved. Yeah. And so so the sin and suffering is here and it's real and you're going to have consequences in pain and enduring it, but not eternal consequences yeah. of separation from God. Yeah. And so it's like I just see these parallels back and forth about living, living in a world of sin and and and. All, all these questions of like, th- what do we do about this suffering? How is God in it? Um, how can it be aligned with his character um, if he is truly in control of everything? Yeah. How are we, uh, people who know the Lord, how are we to respond um, to others who don't know the Lord with that truth? Yeah. Um, so, so just I think yeah, there's not really make false key promises things on God's behalf. Exactly, yeah. and not just mm-hmm. kind of wipe it away, like oh, yeah. this is all God's plan, and don't worry, it's going to be okay. Like that's not helpful. Yeah. And so I just think yeah, these are need, really we good need themes. A better theology. Yes. Of suffering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think we've got some boxes for it. Like mm-hmm. we, like there's a New Testament theme of the way God uses suffering as to discipline His children. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think maybe we're a little more open to asking ourselves the question, like, is this bad thing happening because God's trying to get my attention in some yes, way? Yes, we can do like, that. And Paul's mm-hmm. a good example of this, right? You know, he's on the road to Damascus. He doesn't know Jesus. He's persecuting the church and God blinds him. You know, and it's like, hey, I'm getting your attention because you're actually against me, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to show you how to be for me. So God in, uses suffering to interrupt Paul's path, and so like we we kind of we kind of have a box for that sort of thing, um, but I, well, and and I think we also have a box for like suffering for the gospel, like uh, Paul like that, later yeah, the in his mar- life, the martyr, yeah, suffering, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Jesus said, like I tell you, like in this world you will have trouble, yeah. And so we have a box for that as like, yeah, being countercultural in this world, being light in this world means we're like we're gonna piss off the darkness. Persecution. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there'll be things things like that, tensions. Um yeah, so we, we kinda have a box for that. But there's an aspect of like sacrificially giving ourselves to that that needs to connect to this wider idea of like, and some of what God's up to might there's another layer. Mm-hmm. Which is not just like I'm suffering for the gospel, but I'm suffering because I'm choosing to be in a, and like a participant in a city that's full of darkness. Mm-hmm. So some of that darkness means it's not going to be like Eden. And God might actively be trying to draw that out and allowing that to play out, which gets to like God oh, using. So yes, in what way God allowing. uses, but mm-hmm. but there's like there's something that God's doing. Mm-hmm. And and there's like this. I think Habakkuk shows us that third lay, yes. layer in a really stark way. Yeah, and it's something we we don't have much of a box for. And it's like we we can understand suffering for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. Paul again later in life, he's dealing with like all of the problems of persecution and even just the problems in the church. And 
you know, do you know when he says like, man, it'd be better for me to just die and go to be with Jesus. Yeah. I but mean, I feel that way too sometimes, right? It's better for you <laughs> that I stay. Right. So it's a sacrificial uh-huh, posture. Uh-huh. And, and um, I'm going to say this, but like it kind of upset me during COVID and people getting upset about politics, like all the people who wanted to move to some other state that they thought was more like where God's blessing was. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like we should kind of be like Paul and be like, well, you know, it's kind of hard to, to be here because there may be some darkness, but it's better for the city that I stay. But there's mm-hmm. a point, and actually, like, that's, we're in dark Portland, too. Like, yeah. there's, I, sometimes I feel that it way. There's so much opposition here, right? But we are light like, shines But that's brighter. all the more reason to be here. I know, I know. Not we, to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's that theology of suffering. Yeah, okay. Is if we've been sold this idea that the Christian life is about just flourishing and thriving Mm -hmm. it is about that and Mm -hmm. god is going to do that and that's part of how god shows his light through us but god also shows his light through us through how we suffer because that's the cross that is so good he shows his light through through how we suffer yeah really good and so we gotta have room for that otherwise it's like these two things god uses to show his glory Mm. how he loves in suffering both by suffering for people mm-hmm. and how he's able to like show that his design works that godliness works so good and if we're not willing to do one we're cutting our witness in half do you think um that's really good richard yeah i mean i, I really like that i i wonder what are some of those blocks that keep us from sort of taking that type of that theology of suffering because oftentimes um i think we might be i might when i think about how i respond to it like like i get that intellectually and i even get that in my heart etc but there's a question still looming in the background of, mm-hmm. of like that I, I like if I'm really honest with myself, I oh, just yeah. want answered. That's mm. but why is there suffering in the yeah. first place? Like, and, I, and I, we, I can we see how suffering, I see how you're using that, yeah. God, and I see how I can grow through that. But I kind of want an answer to like, why does it have to be that way? Yes, yeah, I you love know? that. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, Steve by education is an engineer, and I love <laughs> we've been married for so many years, but he brings up these points that are so good because it's like, why were we even built? Why is the the engineer design this way? Mm-hmm. You know, let's go back to like the cause. Let's go back to the beginning because if I understand that design, then I can help get behind what's happening here yeah. and so i love it when you bring and up I, that I stuff think, like that i think the suffering stuff relates to the exile stuff yeah because mm-hmm. it's like um we need to understand that we're not home that things are not right so like suffering is a symptom to indicate to us lest we be deceived into thinking that everything's fine and yeah. that's like that's mm. a really really good like we, we understand this in our bodies, our physiology. Like you ask a doctor, is pain a bad thing? Right? right. And it's a really mm-hmm. interesting question. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if a patient's not able to report any symptoms, you can't diagnose. That's right. It's like it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and this is where actually, you know, I said, uh, like, if we're not able to interact with suffering, our witness cut, gets cut in half. Like, think about this part of it as well, just our formation to become like Jesus. If mm-hmm. we're not willing to engage with suffering, mm-hmm, our formation mm-hmm. is cut in half. Mm-hmm. We're it only stops. ever going to be able to be half what Jesus can make us. So there's 
that there's something really important about the role of suffering because it like how else are we going to understand that things are wrong like if every wrong thing just feels like a right thing how like emotionally yeah. cognitively spiritually we lose our ability to discern and that's mm-hmm. and here's a really interesting like the biblical theology of this is in the beginning god said in eden his way of doing it is like you are going to have to depend on me for that answer to what's good, bad, right, and yeah. wrong. That tree is one that I manage. Those are questions that you trust me for. I will do that. Yeah. And mm. when we took of it and we're like, no, we want to do it by ourselves. So, so this is like God's design is actually not that we need suffering. Uh, his design was that trust and faith is the way we learn these things. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But having become broken people who grasped that in our own strength, in our own way, we've now entered into a reality where actually we do need to encounter that. And it, it, it's actually to teach us the way back to that trust. With so with that's so good. So without suffering, we can't really establish or understand that we need we need God that things aren't right sometimes people suffer and they don't turn to God yeah and they're trying to deal with suffering in other ways yeah but what God teaches us in Genesis that the only way is truly back to him mm-hmm. yeah I mean it was really helpful as we teed up the overall discussion of Habakkuk and um this notion of, I, I like even going back to the garden, um, and you talked about like, um, like that was the place to experience God's flourishing under this type of relationship with God, um, that is trusting Him for those answers, etc. And so, you know, when I think of that question behind, um, that I mentioned before, this question of, yeah, but why is there suffering? Like, that's a question that's almost mm-hmm. outside of that, and it takes yeah, it's me like to... the supplementary question. Yeah, yeah. and this um, that's a question that comes from the perspective of being in exile, of being outside of his mm-hmm. flourishing, because, of course, the, you know, even in my question is like, actually, I, as, you know, as a follower of Jesus uh, and a believer, I'm, um, you know, I'm longing for that, the conditions of Eden, the return to, you know, um, that state of perfect relationship to be now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's just not this side of um, uh, being fully, uh, um, you know, fully sanctified. Yeah. In him, and so it'll come one day, and that's where I need well, to be. And we're in process, looking, yes. Like because in the same way that the whole of creation is in this now and not yet state yeah. of like Jesus is King, but the kingdom is not fully established yeah. everywhere. Yeah, we have some faith mm. and mm. some trust, but mm. we're all aware of the stuff that's like yeah, like the Holy Spirit hasn't really fully healed that bit yeah. yet. Yeah, and and it's suffering's not the only tool. Mm. In, like there's other things the scripture points at just yep. like the power of the spirit to reveal truth and yeah. apply it the the encouragement of like the testimony of the saints mm-hmm. um you know the 
the pursuit of the kingdom, like seek ye first the kingdom of God, and like some of the other anxieties and cares that are so deeply broken will be set in new perspectives. So it's it's a multifaceted thing, but I'm very aware that as a suffering-averse culture, and I will say all humans are suffering-averse, yeah. we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be masochists. Mm-hmm. Um, like, pain is supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. But, but in our culture, we've been sold the gospel, just culturally, that, like, there's a way to use consumerism to not feel pain mm, mm. through like escapism, avoidance, right. distraction, <clears throat> self-medicating, you mm, know, with mm. the, with addictive things. And if so, we so, just, we, so that's our culture. And right. then, then people get sold a version of the gospel. It's like, yeah, like come to church and follow Jesus. And, you know, it'll, it'll be another way for you to never mm, have to mm. suffer again. And it's like, oh, you just... Like, I thank you very much for connecting people to like Jesus, but unfortunately, it's a version of Jesus that can now no longer yeah. fully form them and fully heal them. So, if we turn back and, and sort of look at what's going on here, because what I'm hearing is this description of, uh, um, you said it before, we're in the now and not yet as yeah. well. And I think if I we I look at Habakkuk, you know, he's kind of saying, look, I. God, I know what your promises are. I know who you are, et cetera. And uh, I, I've got this faith of what you are, you're capable and what you're going to do, mm-hmm. but this doesn't make sense. And so in that space of now and not yet, are we getting kind of an indication from Habakkuk here um, of what weight training looks like. And I say that W-A-I-T, you know, what are we doing at while we wait in yeah, the now? And embracing that yet. season. Yeah. This makes, uh, here's an analogy I just thought of as you're talking about this. Okay. I'm like, what's, what's the, the picture of this? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you have cancer and Ouch. without treatment, you're going to die in a year. And they say, you know, but there's this amazing new chemotherapy, but it's going to be really, really rough. Hmm. Hmm. Does starting the chemotherapy bring hope? Uh, right? Yeah, if you yeah, didn't yeah. understand it was chemotherapy and the doctors didn't explain what was going on and you just experienced more negative symptoms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'd be like, this is this getting, is this is this getting is worse before yeah. it gets better. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know at the end I'll or see Jesus. Like one yeah. day I'll see mm-hmm. God yeah. face to face. And Habakkuk could be like, man, I guess it's just getting worse before like a, a, in the final mm-hmm, thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But... What God's actually doing is like Habakkuk. I, I'm going to use Babylon, and it's going to be like chemotherapy oh, for what, what and my it's plan gonna is. Work here on Earth. It's going to work, mm-hmm. and it's not things are going to get worse before they're going to get better. It's mm-hmm. going to be experienced as getting worse for lots of people, but each symptom is a signal to you that the chemotherapy is working. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes on the symptoms. Watch like, what I do and, and understand why the bad mm-hmm. things are happening. Mm-hmm. The why question is so important. And oh, that's good. Uh, so, so, so in a way, it's like medically we have a box yep, for suffering. Totally. But do we have a box for it more broadly in our lives? Spiritually, And, and that God might be doing something in our city or our family. I mean, think about like being a part of family and you're the only one that knows Jesus. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you've prayed, God, get the attention of my family. I really want them to know you. Yeah. And you're like, why is it? Why is all this stuff happening? Mm-hmm. I know so many people have got like fill in the blanks with what those so things are. So many people are. have yeah. their kids Traumatic that they are worrying things, about. Traumatic things, hard things, mm-hmm. painful things. 
like, could it be that God's answering your prayer? You know, I, I think we sort of understand it, but it's hard to understand how to pray and interact with it. Like that reminds me, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. like some of Paul's advice to one of the churches. There's a couple of dudes that um, are just very anti-Jesus in the gospel. And uh, Paul says, I had to deliver them to Satan so they can learn not to sin. Yeah. Like how do you, what's that look like? Turn them over to their sin. Uh -huh. Like do you call, is there like a big telephone you call? Yeah, and you're like, like, hey Satan, Satan come, like, could a you take these you. guys out? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's that, like these people are actually pursuing the way of Babylon. Mm -hmm. which Satan is the, he's the, the instigator prince. of mm -hmm. that way of being. Um, and Paul said, you know, I, I had to let, uh, I had to deliver them over is like, I, I took my hands off and allowed the way of Babylon to consume them mm. so they could understand what they're really doing. They need to feel the symptoms of their disobedience. And I, that wasn't because Paul had less love for them. No. He, it was because he realized where his work ended and he took himself out of that part of the story yeah. and turned it over to really God's providence, which God was over it anyway. Yeah. And clearly it wasn't his first poor call because Paul's yeah. almost like, I finally had to do this. And that's really important mm -hmm. to know about God. God mm -hmm. uses suffering, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Habakkuk, exiles come in. Yeah. And, and Habakkuk's finding this really hard. Why? Because God's used more minor versions of suffering all along the story mm -hmm. for like 450 years. Mm -hmm. There's been like incursions by the Philistines. There's been prophets. There's been famines. There's like, there's been things, but nothing as cataclysmic as this. Yeah. And so like, this is kind of like a last resort yeah. for God. Yeah. God doesn't like doing this and he's tried to avoid it. And he's like uh, the really interesting attribute of God is that he's patient. Uh, yes. And sometimes I love it when and God's I don't patient with me, uh -huh. I'm like, oh, I'm so love great it. because I really need that. <laughs> but when God's being patient in yeah. a way that I'm actually suffering because mm -hmm. of his patience towards others, yeah, that's it's a not. different pill to swallow, yeah. isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to understand like God, um, God's not been rubbing his hand together, like looking for the opportunity to bring Babylon down on his people. Yeah. God has tried to avoid this eventuality for 450 years. Yeah, in his grace. He doesn't snap and it, to it's this kept decision. It's getting worse. Yeah. And, and even like God's dealing with other nations, mm -hmm. like when um, the timing of God then establishing his people in the promised land, mm -hmm. God said like, hey, I'm not doing it yet because the sin of the Canaanites is not yet full. Yeah there's still opportunity for me to do some rescuing. Mm -hmm. But it got to a stage where it was so dark, there was no light left. And God was like, now it's time. Now I need to do something about that. Yeah. And I, it's good to think about that thing that when we cry out for Jesus to return like today, you know, it's not time yet. I mean, there's still people who will turn to him yeah. and he's waiting. And so it's just a picture of his perspective and we can, we only get a small slice. Um, yeah. We can't fathom, but this is great. Great conversation. And do you know what the whole thing about Paul delivering them over and take, it's not like Paul took at them with a hammer and was like, I'm going to beat you up in the Until name of you, Satan. Yeah. Right. It gets back to like you said uh, earlier, like how can God use suffering? And I, I said, what about that word use? Like in what sense is God using yeah. suffering? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. That's a really important distinctive as well. Like what's happening here is that God's people 
are starting to embody the way of the serpent. They're starting to look like Babylon. Mm -hmm. So God's going to allow them to crash into Babylonness mm -hmm. to understand what it's really like. Yeah. But what God's not doing is coming down as the angel of the Lord and just slaughtering his people in the name of Babylon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, is, this is God taking his hands off, restricting his people. Because that's one of the interesting things. Like Habakkuk doesn't end with, Judah, stop. There's still a chance we can stop. Like, come turn back, right, repent. Right. Like Habakkuk understands. Like, God, I'm looking to the hope and salvation on the other side of chemo. I'm looking to the end of your treatment plan. And, um, it, you know, there's, there's a sort of uh, sadness, a reticence in God's, like, oh, I just, I can't, I can't stop you hurting yourselves. Yeah. You know, like you're, you, it, there's, there's something in here that's, that's kind of interesting um, about how we frame how God is using, because it's not like God looked at his people, because another way of telling a story, it's God like looked at his people, he wanted their obedience, he's really upset with them, they weren't following him. So um, he sent an angel to the Babylonians and was like, hey, dudes, you know what? You should like go fight Judah and I'm going to give you like horses and chariots and weapons to do it. Like, no, that's not the story. Mm -hmm. That's not the story. Right? So the way in which God is active is in actually taking his hands off. And the way like we, we mm -hmm. kind of think mm -hmm. through God's goodness and sort of moral responsibility is actually quite different in these scenarios. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. we can associate this with kids. You know, like you're raising that you've got that one impetuous young child who will not listen when you say, don't touch that, it's hot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you manage the situation carefully because you don't want them to catch fire, but you're like, I'm going to let you burn your elbow. Like, I'm going to let you if you go over there because... That's the I, only I, way. I don't, I've tried Everything. 16 different yeah. ways. Yeah. And you're at a stage where it's right for you to understand there's a negative consequence to your negative actions. Yeah. Like, did the parent burn the kid? No. We want to say it. no, but yeah. we want to say, but they uh, participated yeah, in right. the burning I'm of the kid. I'm not so sure mm. about that answer. Right? Right? Right. Moral responsibility yeah. is a really messy, variegated yes. thing. So, yeah, that just like how God's using, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, is. Uh, is really interesting and it's it just it's interesting listening to like tim mackie he's been on a journey of like thinking this through and he's like adamant like god never actually like harms anyone it's always like just letting harm happen yes mm. you because know? it's swirling I, around i'm not i'm not quite sure i'm with it i think there's still some examples where i think sometimes god's like i'm actually gonna like slap you and it's gonna sting and I'm doing the mm, slapping. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's because I love you. But yeah. So so I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> yeah. it's a really interesting yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I will say, um, as you pay attention to the biblical pattern of God's interacting with how things are going, it's hard to find the times when it's like, no, God is actually causing pain. 99% yeah. of the time, it's actually God allowing people's that hands pain off choices letting them to manifest experience the pain. the pain that they have yeah. stepped into willingly and consciously yeah it's not like it was or sometimes self-deceived though 
Yes, so yes. so will I would say willfully, mm-hmm. but not as like not always a conscious willing to because that's part of the self deception of his people. Right. They, okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It, so sometimes, sometimes it's not just like, uh, oh yeah, you are so proud and arrogant and knowingly against the way of Jesus that you need to suffer. It's not like that all the no, time. No. But it starts with a posture of turning away from yeah. God, uh, it, wrong that, thinking about or, who they are and being, who God is. Being out of the blessing zone. Yeah, exile. To understand the zone you're in. Because that's a really important thing because some people like suffering happens and you're like, why did that happen to them? Why did that happen to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best people. Most like, and it could be your, your non-Christian neighbor, but like yeah. they're trying to be a good person and you're praying for them. You're like, mm-hmm. this is the sort of person that might, yeah, they might come to Alpha soon. And like, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then a tragedy. Yeah. You're like, why? Like, did they make some choice? Like, did they make some deal with the devil last night that just caused this to happen? Like, no. No. Because I think there's, there's like God's micro sovereignty and his macro sovereignty. So God, like he enters into like conversation to dialogue with every micro situation of every human and their circumstances they live through in a way that he's like redeeming and using and curating the possibilities of that person being saved back to Eden. But at the macro scale, like the biblical pattern is also that the the evils in the world actually they limit the possibilities of goodness. So like some people like you some person may be outside the blessing zone not because they willfully chose but because their parents did. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. going to grow up in a household now and they're going to they're going to enter into some pain. And it wasn't because of their choices. Yeah. So that's like that's a layer to this where and God's taken his hands off to allow choice to play out, because without choice playing out, there's no way back to faith. There's no, o- there's, yeah. there's only way back to control. Right. And, and they, God uh, knows and, their hearts. That's the thing too. In his yeah. sovereignty, he knows their hearts. He knows that there's no way back for them yeah. because of of what they will end up doing. He can see all things for all time, all at once. Yeah. So that that answer to the why, like why has this happened to Mm -hmm. me? Sometimes it's because you're a broken person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's because you live in a broken world. And the proportion of like the mixture of those two varies. So it's even that is like it's not like how God uses suffering. Right, we can't, there's not an easy answer to it But that, But that's when I think you also get to this other thing God does where he wants to use suffering. So it's like God actually is like, you need to understand the symptom of the zone you're in. Yeah. So God allows it to happen. Another thing God does to reveal and show his power and goodness is he redeems suffering. Like think about Joseph in Egypt. Like, perfect story, mm-hmm. you know, sold as a slave by his brothers, like horrific, traumatized, like big T traumatized dude, mm-hmm. ends up in prison, you know, like horrible things. But at the end of it all, he's like, but you know what? God turned to good what you meant for evil. And Joseph experiences God's goodness and he experiences those evils not as God was teaching me I was a sinner, 
but as I was faithful to Yahweh, yeah. but because of other people's evil, these things happened to me. Mm-hmm. But God showed up and made beautiful the things that were ugly. The rescuer, like God transformed the things. Redeemer. And so sometimes God looks at the suffering and it's, you know, like you may be suffering because of something else that's going on, that mm-hmm. because of something else that went on, because, mm-hmm. you know, like just the chaos of that, yeah. you know, and chaos is like, that's that anti-Eden word, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, mm-hmm. an, so another thing of like, how does God use suffering? Sometimes the suffering in our lives, the narrative it needs to fit in is not, oh God, like, am I at the blessing zone? Are you getting my attention? Sometimes it's, yeah, it's because I'm, uh, because I'm in Portland, because I'm a part of family that doesn't follow Jesus and God's trying to get their attention and I'm, I'm going to be along for the yeah. ride. Yep. And you're but then a part of a part of like what's redemptive in us is like, but I'm going to experience that suffering differently, and the possibilities of what that suffering turns into are going to be different because of God. And as that plays out, I will learn about God. I will be formed to be more like Jesus, and God's glory will shine through me as a witness. And it's a lens that you put on to see that suffering differently, mm-hmm. and that lens gets developed through walking with God, through being in community and listening to other people's stories of yeah. redemption during times of their exile. Yeah. Testimony, so important. Like yeah. ask your community. Not group, just the testimony of like, I prayed for a blessing yeah, I got one. Yeah, but just like over but the yeah, course of life. How did you life, walk through the valley? Uh-huh. Yes. Because, and then that lens will start to ve- develop and sharpen so that when you're in the suffering zone, you have that hope, you have that ability to... to have experienced and heard of experiences where, where, where God is sovereign over it and redeems it. Um, short term, long term. Yeah. Some answers start to get answered. Some things start to get answered. But Steve, you're you have a whole bit of notes. You've yeah, been Steve's been kind of quiet, quiet listening to me and Angela has written like there? a whole page of notes. Yeah. What's cooking? What do you <laughs> well, got? Well, it, it's uh, honestly like the question of God's suffering and God. Sorry, God's sovereignty. And the nature of evil and the nature Before of suffering. Sleep there is like, that's a whole other question. Yeah. Does God suffer? But yeah. we'll get to that okay. another day. Next time. <laughs> no, but God's suffer. God's, there I go again. Um, God's. Are you sure you don't want to ask that question? Sovereignty <laughs> um, and the nature of evil is just one of those, it is an ongoing question uh, for me. And um, because even in the, the passage we're talking about with Joseph and, you know, and what God's word says is, you know, it's like, um, you know, what you, um, don't be afraid. I'm, am I in the place of God? This is after the brothers come and, yeah. and right at the end of Genesis. right at the end, he yeah. says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish. So that I, I think where I'm, I struggle sometimes is this notion that God intended it. So it's almost like he, this, like, no, his intention was yeah. for this. And this suffering. is where we need a Hebrew scholar. Yes. Because yes. does intend, like, again, with the parent, like, and the, and the, uh, just say it's a five year old because they need to yeah. be able to talk for this, right? Yeah. So they turn around and are like, why did you let me burn myself? Yeah. You know, okay, fair question. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that. Yeah. Why did you make me burn myself? Mm, very different. Not quite. That's not quite the intention I had. Yeah. So, I, I we need a Hebrew scholar. Yeah. Because that that word intend, 
and especially it's triggering for us because when Westerners tend to think about moral responsibility and moral desert, what we tend to do is think in terms of like legal blame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So who can be blamed? Like where does the buck of blame stop? So when we see a word like intended, we're like, oh, with so with the person with the intention because intentionality and blame mm-hmm. connect. Mm-hmm. But intentionality just as a, a more vague concept of like how do we bring our desires, our wills, our plans, our knowledge of things, mm-hmm. like God's omniscient, God sees what's going to happen. Like how does all that stuff play out in our actions? That's intentionality. That's a much bigger box mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. just are you where the blame stops. Yeah, it's and so that English word, like the translators, translators might be technically correct to use it, but given our predisposition when we've got a responsibility question in mind to use that word in a particular way, we might be missing something. Oh, I, I get that. Yeah. But it's still not answering the fundamental question, you know, behind there of like, well, okay, but how if I just, you know, look at the sovereignty of God over all things? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's really this balance between God's sovereignty, God's will, and God's uh, and you know free will for us and our choices. It's 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 really just wrestling in mm. there for me and uh, and just trying to reconcile um, yeah. those things. And it's it's an honest question. And maybe um, you know what I'm looking at here with Habakkuk is. Uh, I because I, I kind of see him still wrestling in that same way. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, a simil- it's the same set of issues. You are going to do out. this, yeah. really? Um, really, God, you are going to do this, and you're going to allow this, and you're taking your hands off. But ultimately, like, do I? If I'm Habakkuk, uh, um, do I sort of go ultimately like, well, if you're allowing this to happen, somehow you're permitting this, and aren't you, you know? Shouldn't I look at you as being somewhat responsible, God, mm-hmm. for this? And I, that's the tension that I live in. <laughs> yeah, know, and I think mm. I think that's tr- true. Like, even if you believe in a more like limited sense of sovereignty, yeah. so some people use the word sovereignty, and they mean by that absolutely everything that ever happens is God's will, in the sense that before the beginning of creation, God chose. I want it to be that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like this is my my choice. So basically, the world is the best possible world. It's that it maximizes as God's goodness. As we experience goodness. it right here, yeah, is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. maybe not as we experience it, but as it actually is in reality, from God's perspective, oh, okay. this is the okay. best possible world, uh-huh. right? Another way of looking at God's sovereignty is that, like, God doesn't always get the best that He would have wanted if His free creatures' choices had been different. Mm, mm. So, so there's a, a limiting factor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, and, and like, lots of people have space for that that idea. Like, mm-hmm. the classic one is Jesus coming to Jerusalem and saying, like, how many times I wanted to gather you. So God's best was to gather you, but mm-hmm. you would not, mm-hmm. so I could not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But God's still going to gather them. God's going to pursue his best, but the route to his best is going to involve more suffering and less of the goodness that there could have been if his free creatures' choices have been different. But still, God chooses to sometimes intervene, to sometimes send a prophet, to sometimes do a miracle, to send a sign. 
to disrupt the flow of the chaos. Yeah. So you're like, well, couldn't God do more chaos disruption? So this is like, there's a, even with that view of limitive sovereignty, there's an idea of like, yes, yeah, so, so exile's coming, but is God in charge of like how and when it comes? And does it come at the prime time that maximizes the balance of allowing suffering, allowing the harm of chemo and its symptoms to balance the goodness of maximizing the healing? Yeah. And well, that's like, that's a... A way more complicated question. So my and mind also, is like it's a question I've that there's right so now. many factors we yeah. don't have access to judge on. We don't. We and, can't. I, and I think that's a really interesting part of Habakkuk is mm -hmm. Habakkuk almost dabbles in that question, mm -hmm. but it's actually like God doesn't fully answer that he question, doesn't. but pointing to the final hope of like you know who I am, you know what the end of the story is going to be. Trust me that I'm doing this the right way right now. What's been helpful is even as you brought up that illustration of, uh, uh, you know, this cancer diagnosis, and I immediately jumped to, you know, God as the great physician, right? Mm -hmm. And if you go to see a doctor, um, et cetera, you have an inherent trust in them that they know what they know more than you do mm -hmm. going in there. And I think the if I think about that, and even I as I see. Habakkuk responding here, um, you know, this great physician, you know, he um, he knows, God knows everything about how we are made, how, what we were, what he put into us, but he also, because of that, he knows the depth of our, the condition of our fall. Um, and so, you know, he knows the injustice, the wickedness that's in our hearts, the violence that we perpetrate on each other. He he's a, a, has an awareness of this, but because he's got this total picture, and, and this is what I see, you know, Habakkuk really appealing to God, like knowing his character, um, it, like God knows um, the, the, he knows our condition fully, um, and so he knows the condition he wants to restore us in, mm -hmm. and so he knows the tools that he has. He knows when to pick up the, and when to use them, so he knows which scalpel to use, when to use chemotherapy, and and the timing of the hose um, as well. He knows what tools to use. He knows when to use them, and he knows how to use them mm -hmm. to bring the cure to our condition, um, you know, to, to fully restore us. Um, but just like a doctor, like you said, like he's got to, like if you're sick and you go in with uh, something that's wrong, you know, I've had multiple uh, skin cancers, you know, biopsies, just, car you know, um, basal cell carcinomas, that sort of thing. Like, I actually want that doctor to cut it all out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no sense in, um, you know, just leaving a part of it in there. Like, and, and it's, it hurts, <laughs> you know, but like, I, I trust him that he knows what he's doing mm -hmm. to solve that particular um, condition that I had, yeah. you know. And so am I going to God in the same way, really With saying, that trust. you know far more than I could ever know about my condition today, yeah. where I'm at, the 
things that are hidden in my heart that I don't e- I'm not even aware of and I need you mm-hmm. I need to give that all to you and cut deeper yeah. God it changes know, our expectation mm. yeah right and that's like isn't that what faith's supposed to do yeah yeah right yeah so because people like the the classic thing is like it's no way I can believe there's a God if this is supposed to be the best possible world mm-hmm. and like a Christian theology, is actually turns around and says, well, of course this isn't the best possible world. But we believe that God is making the best possible world mm-hmm. and this is the way to it. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's a completely different set of expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you explained that, Stephen. I was thinking a lot about like the um, interplay between omniscience and sovereignty, right? Yeah. And how mm-hmm. one informs the other and... Um, and and timing, you know, um, and our posture as as people in faith. In your example with the the doctor, like it's not only just a doctor who's an expert in it, but it's like the best, most perfect doctor that we would never question ever because because he's the ultimate expert in all of it, right? Um, and uh, and just to our response to surrender um, in a way that um, could give us peace that it's being taken care of. And there's like, there's the truth. That's a good thing to leave it on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause we could talk about this. Um, That submission, Mm -hmm. that faith posture of like ultimate trust and resting in God leading to peace, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus in Gethsemane suffering yeah, a verse yeah, like yeah. i my humanity does not want to do this but god i like i submit myself to you and jesus was actually able to experience he, the, all the pain all mm-hmm. the trauma of the cross mm-hmm. and the peace and joy mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. yeah and uh, like he was able joy. to experience it differently mm-hmm. like there is there is freedom and it's not freedom from suffering but it's freedom through suffering mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in suffering. Mm-hmm. But that that posture of trust, it unlocks that possibility. And it's a strong posture. It's it's not just like, okay, it's hopeless and oh well, okay, I'm just gonna submit. Yeah, like just okay, be whatever. Just it's whatever. Not a it's, passive thing. It is a choice, it is conscious, and it is it's it's um it's a choice that is choosing life and hope um, rather than than death and hopelessness. Yeah. Um, so I think because our culture gets that wrong too, I think sometimes. Well, yeah. uh, but I would say it's, but people can choose hope in a lot of things. Hope in. And, and so Christ. it's it's hope mm-hmm. in, and I don't know, mm-hmm. like a, it's like I don't, what I, for example, like what I see Habakkuk doing here too is like it, he starts with this recognition of who God is. And I find like when I start with um, just a reminder of like who God is, his faithfulness, his um, His goodness, his um unending love, uh, his justice, you know, his creative majesty, just who he is. And then I'm thankful for the things he's done. It, it, my posture changes from the size of the suffering that I have seems 
So, so it's not that it goes away, but the perspective of what that is versus the perspective mm-hmm. of who God is, they're just on different scales. Um, when I can, yeah. when I can remind myself of that and and the the magnitude and the, um, you know, as far as my imagination could stretch, knowing I'm just scratching the surface of actually who God is, and that's that trusting of like this this cut that I have on my hand to fully surrender it to the great physician yeah. to say, can you heal me? Yeah. <laughs> like, and um, that's that peace that passes understanding. Yeah. I think sometimes we think peace that passes understanding is like a magic trick. Like God's going to hypnotize us and we'll just feel peaceful. Hmm. But I think it's actually a peace that begins with understanding mm-hmm. the things that God's revealed. And because of our trust and faith and hope that God has more, we're able, our faith is able to allow us to interact with peace that we mm-hmm. don't understand mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And actually God's able through the relationship of trust yeah. is like that we're actually able to experience peace on the basis not of understanding what's going on, right. but of understanding who's going on. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Great place. So to that's going to be good stuff to think yeah. about this week. If you're in communities, yeah. you're going to be talking a little bit about um, how we interact with suffering personally, like how we've seen God use it, how we feel about God using it, um, things like that. So have some rich discussion. Uh, as always, look out for us, say hi, because um, we want to know how God's you know, having this conversation with you yeah. as well. Yeah. And then we'll see you a bit more of Habakkuk next time. Okay, take care. God bless. Thank you.